please be advised that this podcast contains stories and information about Morrissey. This may be extremely triggering to all non-Morrissey fans out there. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Mozcast, the podcaster's ritual. My name is Colin and I'm here to bring you the first unofficial podcast for all Morrissey fans. Every episode I will use the word ritual as an acronym to fill you in on all the latest goings on in the world of Morrissey. R will stand for Roundup, a roundup of all the latest news and all the latest goings on. I will stand for Interview. T will stand for my top 10 Smiths or Morrissey songs. U will be for understanding, um, a little bit of perspective and understanding of a complex man. A in this episode will be sadly for Andy, Andy Rourke. And L is for lastly, that is where I will give out contact details um, and let you guys know um, email address basically to get in touch with myself here at Moscast. So really the year began in January with uh, the announcement of the 2023 summer tour of England and Ireland. Obviously keeping it to his roots because he had no Scottish state in there which of course um, in my location I was very upset about. But um, you will hear the interview that I for interview in this episode is an interview based on the last time that Morrissey was in Scotland, which is, um, I think that was November, October 2022. Anyway, so that was the start of the year, January time, around about that time. A lot of stuff on uh, social media about Miley Cyrus and the, the whole Capitol Records thing and uh, Miley removing her, her vocals, which I think and the things that I've heard or the things that I've read, um, Morrissey seemed to be very happy with how that track had turned out. And yeah, Miley's uh, vocals were ultimately removed. He announced, um, no sorry, Mojo magazine announced the 50 greatest Smith songs of all time. So it'll be interesting to see how that um, is going to match up to my top 10. I haven't had a look at the list yet. Suede Head, I was being careful to say that. Suede Head made over 100 million streams on Spotify, also around about March time. Um, which then takes us up to the 19th of May. That was the date that sadly Andy Rook passed away. The A for Andy in this episode is uh, the A for and ritual is for Andy in this episode, so I'm not going to say too much about that right now. In the roundup, Morrissey turned 64 just a few days after Andy passed away. Um, of course, still no sign at this point, halfway through the year, of uh, a release 
from Capitol Records for Bonfire of Teenagers um, and obviously nowhere near uh, a UK release date either. That takes us up to the summer. Um, something interesting in the summer for Morrissey fans I felt was Rick Astley with the indie band Blossoms playing a whole set of Smith songs which yeah um, being in the summer I'm on holiday I've had a few beers watching it and just enjoying hearing Smith songs being played live but I did watch it a couple of times after that and while wow, laden with mistakes really a lot of timing issues in particular Rick coming in far too early a lot of it on a lot of the songs I think that happened three or four times um, yeah like Rick didn't really let the band play the intro properly and had started vocals far too early and so on but uh, uh, other than that it was absolutely great to hear him have a, a stab at, at, at being Morrissey I suppose isn't it yeah so then around about that time came the time for the British tour that was announced at the start of the year and that was a tour that was to include Portsmouth, Nottingham, Leeds, Dublin, Liverpool and London with of course um, David Johansson joining them from the New York Dolls for the 22nd of July date at the London Troxy. Um, there was quite a, bit, a few bits and bobs on Morrissey Solo about that. Um, so yeah, so really um, I think the British tour went off without too many hitches, although I do remember the Nottingham show, um, a few posts about the Nottingham show being cancelled. There were also a few things on social media that I was following at the time, a few things about maybe a few fans feeling that Morrissey should, Morrissey should have paid more of a tribute to Andy. Um, I just don't know, really know how I feel about that. I think um, that's his own private thing. He doesn't need to go and announce anything at any, any gig. That's just my own thoughts on it. Up to September now, Morrissey was in Mexico, so he definitely was getting about in this year. Um, we know that Morrissey loves Mexico and has absolutely loved there too. Um, he then went on to New York for some American dates. He also went on TV for an interview, which I felt he did come across and spoke really well. Sometimes from the very, very start, I think from the start of every Morrissey interview on TV, you can tell how it's going to go in the first few seconds. And he seemed very relaxed and able to, quite open to talking about things um, with the interviewee. So I, I, I felt that one went okay. Um, that takes us up to really more touring announced for the end of the year where he was going to go to Singapore, Thailand, he was going to end up in Australia after that I believe. So yes, he has had a very, very busy year but as a Morrissey fan, I suppose my take on it is upset that he didn't come to Scotland. And again upset that we're waiting on the release of Bonfire of Teenagers and of course without music the world dies. Um, so yeah, that is the R for Roundup.
Okay, so the I in Ritual stands for interview. The interview I am about to play you is myself and my very good friend, his name is Chris McMurrin. The reason I am playing this interview first is um, I'm hoping that most Morrissey fans will identify with this story. So back in 2004, I got into Morrissey in a big way. I had been aware of Morrissey in the 90s. We were all very much massive Oasis fans in the 90s, myself and all my friends. I didn't um, get into the Smiths or Morrissey till a little bit later on. So that is the backstory. but when I did introduce or try to introduce my friends, uh, my group of friends to Morrissey, um, it did not go down well at all. Um, and really uh, in Scotland we call it a good slagging off. I, I was kind of ridiculed and slagged off for um, my love of Morrissey. So um, the reason I am playing this interview now in 2023 is um, this is one of my friends who very much did ridicule me um, way back in 2004. Um, he took great pleasure in, in slagging me off and ridiculing the fact that I liked Morrissey. I was um, resolute. And of course, whilst doing this podcast, I still am. Um, but yeah, so uh, Chris had attended Morrissey's tour the last time that Morrissey was in Scotland, which was um, October 2022. I do believe the concert was at the Armadillo in Glasgow, a venue I've never been to, but that's by the by. So, um, Chris attended with a friend of his and I was obviously as a Morrissey fan now and the backstory what I've just the backstory that I've just told you um, I had a, an idea to maybe go along and interview him just to find out um, how his experience was so this is the I for interview <laughs> sitting waiting with pure keen interest to find out how it went. Morrissey, um, how did how did it go? Aye, it was really good. Um, just obviously went up in the car with Colin a wee bit late getting there. Um, eventually got in there, managed to get a beer. And um, I took our seats, like I mentioned before, we had sort of like a pre-show thing, just a video. So it was oh, like the New York Dolls. Yep. Um, there was a wee bit of Sex Pistols. Just on the screen, no support band at all. And uh, I just sort of had time to chill out before before Morrissey came on, which was good. Yep. Um, and then they came on, I don't know, probably about half eight, quarter to nine. Okay. And just immediately could just see how how much stage presence 
he actually had just right away his band come on he come on big a bigger guy than than what I actually realised as well he's quite a quite a big guy he is yeah quite tall and um, I like I said before he never uh, he never actually came out and said anything political which I was quite surprised with given his background and controversial statements and <laughs> stuff like that that he's uh, that he said before but he yeah. just came out and just went blah 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 and probably blah and then he just kicked into how soon is now yep it's phenomenal uh, great great opening tune obviously kind of gets everybody that maybe doesn't know he's he's kind of solo stuff any Smith fans would have just been instantly and I was just instantly taken by how good how good the band were yeah they were majorly tight yeah um, really really on point Mm-hmm. And uh, I and just just all through the gig, there was well because it was the armadillo as well. Sitting, it's a sitting, it's a sitting gig. Yep. But as soon as we went in the building, there was probably you know a couple of rows of people right up right at the stage, the and they 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 weren't there for sitting down. That yep. was that was aimed for the gig. Yeah. Obviously, they're no no their first rodeo when it comes to Morrissey. Exactly. Why be close to them? Um. And then as soon as they came on, everybody was standing up as yep. well. So it was a sitting gig, but no a sitting gig. Um, but no, a good crowd, quite a mixed crowd mm-hmm. as well. I would say there was a lot of, you know, a lot of older people, a lot of younger people, younger than me right. as well. It's quite a. There was even there was even a wee a wee child there that was on his dad's shoulders. Yeah. So it was it was all ages. You do get that quite often at Morrissey gigs, but the crowd is a quite an interesting aspect. At Mo- well, because. It's you've seen quite a very tame version of what I saw probably the middle of, and I've and I know that I've showed you things like the Texas concert that you did and all that the, the stage invasions that used to happen all the time. It was absolute pandemonium, Beatles level stuff, man. That he's experienced in America and Britain. You know what I mean? So maybe some of the stage presence or whatever comes from. Having had all that stuff happen to you, all that experience or whatever, but I so what 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 impressed you most then? The the interaction with the crowd, probably it was no, it was it seemed to be in Colin, the guy I was with. He's been a Smith fan, Morrissey fan for years. He's right. uh, been to a few of his gigs, right. and he said that he encourages people. To get up on stage, he does, yep, as well, which I didn't realise, which I thought was Does quite interesting. Oh my God, I. And he was. He always just puts his hand in, and he always just like kind of, kind of beckons them almost, and he kind of almost serenades them. I mean, they're fucking losing their shit down there, man. It's insane. It's unreal. And I knew I, I forgot that it was a city gig, so I was a bit gutted about that that you wouldn't actually see that. It would, I mean, I've I've seen them. I think eight or nine times in loads of different venues, and he's—it's always been kind of like pandemonium, almost in a way. So see when he does, because they never got anybody up on the stage that night. Nobody would go on the stage, even though he was trying to get them up. Um, but people were just holding out their hands, and he was in the middle of songs, and he was touching the hands, and you could see he was really like connecting with them. It must have been amazing for for little diehard Morrissey fan just to have that interaction but nobody, nobody went up on stage but whenever you've seen him in the past 
and he's got people up on stage. What, what, what would happen? What would they, they just do? just get whipped off straight away by security. Yep. Yeah, well, they hug him. They just try and hug him, and then as soon as they do, they get whipped off stage. <laughs> right. Um, but I think he's got a lot better at like letting... He, he, that's something that's only been the latter part of his career because it ruined a lot. Like... Morrissey's first gig, ever solo gig, was in 1988 in Wolverhampton, right? Town Hall. And it got it's, it got stopped because of like all the stage invasions, right? And that was his first ever solo gig as Morrissey. First ever gig without the Smiths, right? And I think, actually, his backup band was everybody minus Johnny Marr. I think Joyce was there, and I think... Andy Rourke was there as well, but that that was the start of... But Hunters of Smith's gigs had stage invasions and all that as well. Loads of them. But it just... The intensity level increased when it was just him on his own, man. And then he went to America and it just... It just started getting worse, man. If you go to YouTube and look up Texas Stage Invasion, that is close to being just, like, absolute chaos, man. It's bananas. And they're just like devouring him man it's like insane he has to get off and all that and Jeez. it's bananas amazing he's got he's got a crazy magnetism which he I does. found when I went to that gig and just seeing him in the flesh it, you can you can see how people are so obsessed with him he's just got a, he's just got a natural way of connecting with people without even really saying anything as well mm-hmm. there was other things he was doing was there was a couple of people, and the first one that I seen because it was wearing, it was wearing like a, like an overcoat type thing, but he had a shirt on, mm-hmm. and in the shirt there was like a top pocket. So people, well, it was a girl actually handed him, which I presumed was like a handwritten note. Yes, yeah, that happens often. In yep. the middle of a song, yep. took the handwritten note off her, and just put it in his top pocket and I just I just instantly turned to call and I was like do you know what that is a touch of class that that stuff Uh, this is it's it's really insane to me that you're just relaying all this stuff to me now because obviously I'm sitting here going yet again feeling vindicated about my (laughs) musical choices as you and Gavin used to slab slag the fuck out me for Morrissey and I'm like no like man this definitely this guy's got something if you guys don't appreciate it now, you might later. And that, that was the case, man. Because they have taken Gavin to see Morrissey. Oh. And, and Gavin doesn't know anywhere near the amount of Smith stuff that you know. So so what happened was Gavin obviously lived in London for ages. And Morrissey got cancer. And then I was like, oh my god, this is it, he's no he's not gonna tour anymore, he could be really unwell, holy shit he might die, do you know what I mean? I better start planning my Morrissey tattoo, the new sort of thing, right? And I was like, Holy shit. So this O2 gig had all in November, at the end of November, had always been on the cards. And it was like then he announced he had cancer a couple of months before it and all that, and I was like, This is gonna be it, this is gonna be his last show. So no, probably really been able to afford it. I booked two tickets, knowing that Gavin was in London. And I was like, right, I'll take Gavin. Bought him a pure cracking Morrissey t-shirt off the internet. Victoria did, picked it for him. It was like one with a skull. I don't know, I don't know if he still got it or not. It was like a, 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 do you know what it was? It was a tour t-shirt for when Morrissey played in Mexico. 
And if you look up the his history in Mexico, they absolutely fucking adore him in Mexico. That's one place we right. Probably more than in Britain, man. Almost wow. I would say he's huge in the Latino community. You just see all these Latinos dressed as eighties with massive quiffs and all that. He just he absolutely loves Mexican people and all that. So he's there's probably a lot of things, obviously, that you don't that you don't know about him, right? But that's that's probably one of them, right? But anyway, this O2 gig was happening, and I took Gavin, and of course he's one of the people that took the absolute piss out of me with you about him, right? And um, I was like, right, it's really important. Actually, this gig's more important to me than getting Gavin to like it because this could be his last gig. It means absolutely everything to me. It might not mean anything to him. If he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. It'll be a great day out, whatever. It was a great day out. Took him out for breakfast, had a pint where breakfast. Bought him his breakfast and the pint, as you'd probably imagine. <laughs> Standard. Yep. And uh, got pissed all day. Made it to the O2. And I was like, right, I, I realised that he doesn't even really know anything I'm honestly sat and ate, like, uh, ve- vegan nachos and all that. I was like, you know you're not going to get a hot dog and all that at this gig. <laughs> Definitely no. <laughs> so there was that, explaining that to him. And then we went in, and it was like, he absolutely loved it. Did and he? Aye, man. Yeah. He was absolutely wrecked. I mean, the Bethy as well. Yeah. But I knew every single syllable, every song, man, and I don't think Gavin really knew... I don't even know if they played House in his now, all this charming man now on that night. They never. He played about five or six Smith songs and it was like random, obscure Sp- Smith songs. Not the hits of the Smiths. It was like random Interesting. stuff. Aye. And on the people in the tube in the way back were saying, right, that's it, that's his last gig. He played Please, 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 Let Me Get What I Want, oh. which he played at your gig. Oh, it's so good. Aye, brilliant. And that would have been good to hear. Um, Colin actually turned around to me after that song get played because that song is in 500 Days of Summer yes. at a really yep. like obviously a lovey-dovey sort of moment he's trying to get us guilty to connect with him and obviously he likes the Smiths she likes the Smiths uh, and he plays that song at his wee workstation as she's walking by hopefully try to get like a some kind of interaction but he, he played it that night and then Colin turned around to me after the song had been sung when everybody was clapping and obviously the lyric in the song is please 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 let me get what I want mm-hmm. um, Colin turned around and just went just one, once in your life you should hear Morrissey sing that song live good comment it's brilliant one up good comment because it's a very incredibly emotional song I think it's in something I just watched recently is it Afterlife? I don't know if it's in one of the Afterlifes. Or it it's be, been yeah, in right. quite a lot of things. Yep. But that song at the right time in a movie. Oof. Aye. It's almost like shooting fish in a barrel. Putting aye, that, that, that song in that particular point in a movie. It's, like you say, it's dead emotional. Aye. So probably then, obviously you'd run the half marathon that day. You didn't even know you were really gone. That's exactly what happened to me the first time I saw Morrissey. I was away in Motherwell doing something else that day and I lived in Glasgow at the time. I got back to Glasgow, someone said, there's a free ticket, do you want it? Morrissey, the Smiths and all that. And I was like, aye, I know this charming man, I know how soon is now. 
probably didn't. I knew Big Mouth Strikes Again, and I don't know how I knew that. I think it was off a random indie compilation album for the 90s. Right. right. And that's probably the only three songs I knew. And then I mentioned to you that I went there. PJ Harvey was supporting. Good so support. In those days, he did actually have a support. Actually, I think he had two support. don't know who the first one was. But anyway, PJ was great, right? And then I'm like, oh, I'm wondering what this is going to be like. And it just... The whole stage went black, one spotlight, and he walked out underneath it wearing a minister's <laughs> outfit and dog collar, and I was just like, holy shit, and he just stood for ages and never said anything, and then the band lit up and all that, and I was just like, I've never seen anything like this, man, wow. I'm very impressed with this. And then it just, pff, at the end of the gig, that was it. I had, that was... My pure, absolute love for him was born that night. And nice. I remember it really distinctly. And then just devouring, like, all the Smith's lyrics. Because, like, I'm right into literal stuff and writers and all that. And I've never, obviously, been into Oasis, which we're going to talk about and all that another time. <laughs> Lyrically, Morrissey and Noel Gallagher cannot even be compared, and I think Noel Gallagher. I, I, know, I know for a fact Noel Gallagher would say that. I, no I, I've, I've heard them saying something very, very similar. I think I heard Noel Gallagher in an interview saying that every single word that Morrissey has written, I will stand by. <laughs> um, I, he just loves, he loves the guy. Lyrically, obviously the Manchester connection as well, and <clears throat> the Smiths. So, I uh, he he appreciates how good a songwriter he is. So, I my whole I was trying to get to another question there at, at the start of all that was like my point was going to be it was dead unexpected for you. We never spoke about. I mean, because if you had told me you were going to want to go to that gig, I would have went with you because my Definitely. stage partner at work went, and she was like, "Oh, you know, coming." And I was like, "Well, it's the usual. We Morrissey and I've got nobody to go away like that old joke, right?" Because she's loved Morrissey for the eighties. She's into alternative music. She's the only one in her pals, really. That, that, that That's the kind of joke, right? Because he's quite alternative. He's not in the mainstream. You might never have anybody to go with. I've been to, I think, four or five Morrissey gigs on my own. Have you? I didn't even know that. And he's the only person that... Uh, it's the only gig I've ever been to on my own. <laughs> so there must be something in it. You know Definitely. What I mean? But my original point was... Um, how would you... How would you rate it out of 10 for like a A, someone you've not liked historically in the past B, someone you've got into recently because you now love the Smiths and their music and you've subsequently got into him because of it and then like C dead unexpected you were just that morning you didn't even know you were gone so how did all that affect your rating of the gig? Aye, probably up there. I think sometimes when you know you've got something coming up in the future, anticipation can build up and you've got this expectation of what the night's going to be, what the gig's going to be like. I think I went to see a couple of gigs before and I was just like an artist that was really excited to see and mm -hmm. then, you know, it was just sort of good. But maybe I never lived up to my expectations. So I think the fact that Morrissey the gig actually did come last minute and it was way someday, 
you know, would have been exactly the same as gone with yourself. Somebody that's been out of Morrissey for decades, Morrissey and the Smiths. Um, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity because I'm definitely willing to to be proven wrong and to admit that maybe I didn't get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially liking the Smiths. But maybe it was Morrissey's... It was maybe a wee bit biased because I heard them maybe saying a couple of daft wee things, but it was, it's just judgmental. Just yeah. not really anything in it. And I'm just a wee bit older now and a wee bit more open to stuff. But, uh, but no, I absolutely loved the gig. I'd get a solid 8 out of 10. Wow. I would right. say. Okay. Um, first time seeing him, maybe people that's been to see him before would maybe argue that maybe the seating aspect took away from it a wee bit or, you know, maybe they didn't play certain songs that they would have liked to have seen but I just went with zero expectations I was busy that day with the marathon um, so I didn't really have much time to, to think about it and the next thing I know it was just I was in the venue and then he came on and kick, kicking it off with house soon as now just he, he just instantly hugged me yes yes and, so, he, and obviously played um, please 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 let me get what I want but was there any other was there any other Smith songs in the in the set list I can't even remember I don't think so I don't think he played. I don't think he played Big Mouth Strikes Again. No. He didn't play Charming Man either. No. But none of the songs disappointed. They were all. They were all good. They were all catchy. Um, I'm struggling to find because I have listened to a wee bit Morrissey since the gig. Okay. As well, and uh, I, I think you kind of find that as well when you when you go to see a band. You know your favourites, and then. When something's performed live that you've thought was maybe average on record, it just gives it this extra level, I would say, when you see it performed live and how how good it sounds with a band and, and all that kind of stuff. It's it definitely and I think a lot of songs that he played that night was, was very much like that for me. I'll need to go back and, and get well, the set list. I've got it as housing is now was first then it's a mouthful, we hate it when our friends become successful. That's brilliant, actually. That's from an album called Your Arsenal, right? 1992. Right. Wow. And if you're going to start anywhere for like a Morrissey album um, of his solo work, I would probably recommend that as one to right. start with. Uh, Your Arsenal. Then it went on to Our Frank, Billy Budd, Knockabout World, First of the Gang to Die. You oh, that one. yeah, that's a brilliant song. It's a Morrissey tune, isn't it? It's not a Smith song. Ah, that's album, that's off uh, You Are The Quarry, right? Um, which was almost like his comeback. Because he, he does, in his solo career, he's went away for years. Four or five years at a time. Six years at a time, almost. You Are The Quarry was like one of his big... He went away late 90s and never came back to about 2004, right. I think it was. With his own record label, Attack Records, a cool logo, looking fucking unbelievable like suit and this album man just and that was the first thing I got into like so 2004 so 18 years wow okay I've been a solid fan but I'm noticing here that it, they played frankly Mr. Shankly which I'm absolutely fucking raging about <laughs> really I love that oh, Smith, that's no. a Smith song I need to I need to get um, it oh, I'm absolutely gutted about that so right um 
Now, interest in this bonfire of teenagers, have you know anything about that? No. So that is a song that he wrote, obviously he's from Manchester, that's a song that he wrote about the Ariana Grande Oh, bombing. really? Okay. And uh, there's loads of like references to Manchester things in Smith's music, like the Moors Murderers and stuff like that, and some of the Smith songs. Um, but this one, Bonfire of Teenagers... Is still known on Spotify. Like his latest album is still known on Spotify because he doesn't have a record label. Like he's, I think his last, I can't even remember whose last record company was, right? But on the last tour before this one, they all come out saying, fuck, blah records, whoever it was. He'd fell out with another. This is what he's absolutely famous for falling out with the record company. Having to go and try and find somebody else and all that. That's just been littered throughout his career. Falling out, new management. You know what I mean? You, people coming in and out of the band quite a lot and all that. But um, this Bonfire of Teenagers, it's not on Spotify because he did this quite radical thing where he put it up for, like, he put it up for bidding. He's like, we'll put it out to, like, whatever record company sort of wants me. Right, and it kind of backfired on him, man, because it's still not released. Um, and it was like about recorded about a year and a half ago. Right. Um, and it's called Bonfire of Teenagers, and it's got I think it's got a picture of him as a teenager on the. So nobody's really nobody's really heard the album then, unless the but he's toured America and played a lot of songs from it. So there's been a lot of live stuff, just a lot of it, bootleg stuff. Aye. The studio album is yet unreleased, as far as I know. Wow. And I went and checked Spotify when you were going, um, and I was like, oh, I wonder. If he, I know he's going to play Bonfire of Teenagers because I checked the the set list of what he'd been doing. Did he? Did he do Old Lang, Old Lang Syne? Did he do I, a wee excerpt from it or something like? Sing a wee song. I think he did actually. Now you mention it, I he actually did. Then he went into every day is like Sunday. That's right. Oh, that's a that's another song that's phenomenal. Then he did two Smith songs in a row. Never had no one ever, which I fucking love. And then please, please, please let me get yep. what I want. Ugh. I'm 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 sitting here. It's a good set list. See, see, getting back to that bonfire of teenagers as well. I was actually. I was in the car with Davey and his mate Stevie and um, Davey knows Morrissey through his dad. His dad lives in Manchester and his right. dad loves Morrissey, loves the Smiths. I guess he'll be probably in his late 50s, um, 60. Right age. Whatever, so good age for it. Good age for Morrissey. And um, so I looked up online because, as I mentioned before, he's... He said a lot of controversial things, and a lot of it will be like interviews, <laughs> and will just be wee excerpts, yeah. sound bites taken for like a long form interview, and it's that you you write it down, it just looks at a context. But but that's what I done. I, I I was in the car with Davy and Stevie, and I looked up some controversial <laughs> Morrissey quotes, just because a lot of them are very tongue in cheek <laughs> as well. But he's got one. Regarding the Manchester bombings, um, Andy Burnham was the name of the mayor of Manchester, right? Or the politician, the MP for Manchester, and he said that as an official statement after the bombing, 
he said, oh, this is just an act of an extremist, was his quote, and Morrissey's quote, as a retort to that, was, he says, well, all right, he's an extremist, but is he an extremist what? An extremist rabbit? So he didn't put the word Islamic in there. So, I mean, it's it's pretty spot on. So, I mean, why not put that in there? I mean, who we, who we try to protect for being offended? I mean, I you would say... You would say IRA, you would say Irish rebels, you would say, you know, people, people say British army, you know, for bombing Afghanistan. Um, they don't just say army. It's it, it's almost. I, I think he highlighted a good point when he when he when he said that that quote. Absolutely, man. But uh, uh, it's interesting that before, so before you went, you looked up controversial things or after? I did both. Both? I, I, right, I, I looked it up before and then I looked it up uh, after just to just to let the boys. I read out some of the quotes because it wouldn't have been you wouldn't have had to look long to find Not much at all. at all. But a the thing that you mentioned about tongue in cheek is literally Morrissey spends most of his life with his tongue in his cheek, like literally just that. So he is tongue in cheek and he, he actually literally does it as well. He loves destroying people's characters. He's a gay man. It's it's just him. Do you know what I mean? But he is also highly intelligent, very insightful, alternative thinker, outside of the box thinker, not left, not on the right, whatever the middle is, or, or, or all the way around, back to front, whatever you want to say it. He's... He's someone that I've always admired because I've read so much into him. I love his music, I love him. Right, but to have the strength of opinions that he had from such a young age that he still holds when he's like 60-odd, the new, and still believes in, and has got as much faith in his belief in it now as he had when he was eight or nine, that takes like, that's, I admire that sort of thing, right? Aye. And all his teachers, when he was eight or nine, they knew instantly this is a this boy's going to be something, right? Because he was just so far above, like what he could do with writing, basically. And he wrote so much. He wrote fervently. He wrote. He was going to be a writer. He was going to be Oscar Wilde. He was going to be the Manchester's Oscar Wilde. Right. right? That was it. That was probably where he wanted to be at a certain point. But then he started getting so into music and the New York Dolls. Big on the New York Dolls, aye. That he, he started writing letters to the NME when he was like 12, 13, and then they started getting published. And then they started getting published every month. And then he started getting an ego for himself as a writer when he was like 13, 14, like, this, if I write about the Ramones, it's getting published, and, right. and he was right, they would publish it. So he so must have had to have been a pretty well-crafted writer incredible. in order to get it published in, a, in like a weekly magazine. Natural. A big magazine at the time as well, especially for music in the, in the country when there was no internet. No? It was probably one of the coolest outlets for, for anybody that was into music in the country, the enemy. So he read fervently, read everything that he could and internalised it and it came out like, and it, it, it was articulate enough 
speaking and writing that what came out was like unbelievable. He was starting, no, no one, the odd person would get their letter published in the NME. The NME, it was, a, in the 80s, it was like a Bible to people. It was uh, it was huge. It was, wasn't it like getting post, something posted on the internet or something these days? No, how uh, easy it is. So he, he, he clearly had something. And then he, but his interest in music came. And then I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen any of the biopics? Like the one? I've not watched any of them. I know you did tell me about one that's about him before he joined the Smiths. Aye, and it goes up to him, it ends with him meeting Johnny Marr. I mean, what a fucking time to that's, end the movie, uh, That's man. pretty disappointing. And I'd read everything about him anyway, so nothing that was in it was anything new that I had learned. So, aye. Um, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it, though. Oh, I'm it was sitting good. here... It's a bu- it's a bucket list item. Definitely getting to see Morrissey. I was never. I probably said this before as well. I would never know have went to see him at some point. I didn't even know he was playing or touring. Uh, it just wasn't on my radar. But if I knew he was, I, I probably would have bought a ticket um, and talked to you about it. But I'm glad I've I'm glad I've been to see him now, and I've got got it off my list, and I've got a new appreciation for Morrissey. Not just on a musical level, because that's the other thing about. I know you're really into um, lyrics and uh, you know all that kind of stuff, but I think I'm more been into like melodies and the music. Yeah. That's why I like a lot of instrumental stuff even yeah. now. So, but you can't you know listen to Morris Morris's lyrics even when he's on stage. It's so clear what he's saying. Yeah. Um, I guess that's one thing the sound people have got absolutely spot on. You can hear every syllable. And understand everything that the Morris is saying. It's no drowned up by the music. It's dead, dead clear. Yeah. And just put together beautifully. Uh, he's got a great way with language. If he, he constructs songs unlike anybody else, it's very, very wordy. Um, almost to the point where it almost doesn't go as a melody, but mm-hmm. it, it it really is together because it doesn't sound like a normal, normal and inverted comma structured kind of melody. I know. Um, even his um, song titles are quite wordy. Very long, yep. But quite clever. Very clever. Quite clever. So I, I suppose it's interesting that one thing you should probably tackle. I suppose that's why I was going to start talking about the NME is because they celebrated him before he was in the Smiths. Then they certainly championed and celebrated the Smiths themselves. And then when he became a solo artist, they absolutely had an agenda against him. Right, okay. Um, pretty much by that time, the whole of the mainstream media had that very same attitude. It just became, there was a, issues of the NME that, uh, or, or for the whole month, one of the targets for the month on the board was Get Morrissey. Right. Like people, people that worked in the NME have subsequently came out and said that, that that was very much a thing. Depending on who the editor was, that that could have been a thing. So that's so crazy. so he was definitely, and that's ult- subsequent ultimately why he left Britain, and I don't think has ever really came back apart from when his mum was really ill, and that he still lives outside the country Does and that. He? But the whole racist thing has come up loads and loads of times with Morrissey, and then um, the NME were one of the first. To print a story about him being racist, 
And the story was that at a madness gig in Finsbury Park in about 1992, something like that. Difficult one because Morrissey was like supporting madness because Suggs absolutely loves Morrissey. And he did, if you look it up, I don't recommend it, but uh, uh, he did a cover, Suggs did a cover of uh, I think Every Day is Like Sunday and it's like definitely not worth looking up, right? But um, Morrissey supported Suggs because Suggs was such a, Suggs absolutely loved him. So Morrissey's right, I'll do it, Finsbury Park, big gig and all that. But of course there was a lot of the ska, skinheads, reggae, that, that part of London. And the crowd that Madness attracted, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it probably wasn't Morrissey's crowd anyway, because he was um, supporting. But the racist incident was him bringing a Union Jack on stage and sort of cavorting with it and singing a song and spinning it around his head. And okay. And that was the racist incident. That was the racist Ultimately, incident. That, if you watch the footage... NME reported that as him. I suppose like the the Union Jack was sort of like owned by the right wing at that point. Nineteen ninety two, a lot of football hooligans and all that were like using it as a symbol. Okay, what it was symbolic of, like racist attitudes and football hooliganism, mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. But of course, if you know anything about Morrissey, then the fuck does he uh, get care or give a fuck about football man like ever in his fucking life exactly and if you're saying as well that he was big in Mexico yeah and adored over there I mean you know it's defi- he's, he's so open minded to my eye that uh, he's no um, he's no he's no racist now he's, I mean, he's well travelled obviously no I know that I know that so I no, some, but I mean, some of the some of the quotes that I did read, I can't think of them for the life of me. I'd have to, I'd have to look them up. But I mean, it's no, uh, you know, it's no, it's no. I mean, you could you could take anything and kind of spin it to whatever agenda. Um, they, they do that with a lot of people, just to get yeah. cancelled. But, um, what about the Chinese are subhuman? Oh, I did read that one actually. <laughs> That's because of the the vegetarian thing mm-hmm. because of their uh, because because of their culinary tastes. I guess you could say. Um, I Chinese. You could are see why someone species. would view that as a racist comment if it was just written down in aye, black and white. Definitely, aye. So misrepresentation happens all the time. You know what I mean? It does. So again, it's maybe a lesson as well, just to. No, take things at face value, uh, because I don't know how many famous people I've heard in the press or in interviews talking about how when a story's printed about them, it's almost like it's like a different event or a different reality. They've either been misquoted, they've either been, you know, a source has said this about that person, yep. and they're just blatantly just making stuff up. So. But yeah, if you get two two hours with somebody in a long form interview, you don't get the nuance of the conversation, the context. You don't get all that we are we one wee quote that's printed in the paper. I know, I know. I did find that there wasn't many negative 
reports on the gig that you attended, but see the last one that I went to was his last tour was 2017 at the Hydro. Okay. Right, so I suppose there's another venue I've seen him at, but that's what a terrible venue that is. Right, right in the middle, but up quite high in the seats. And then it wasn't sold at the seating bit, eh, the standing bit, but um, it was quite full, the, the hydro for him anyway, right? But he said something about Nicola Sturgeon, right? Oh. So he did say something political. I think he said something like, please, he was like, something like along the lines of, I'm not going to misquote him, I'm paraphrasing, something like, oh, don't tell me you actually like her or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Something. Yep. Something along those lines, right? Oof. And then um, loads of stuff, even the Daily Record reported as a mass walkout at Morrissey Gig after he publicly slanders Nicholas. <laughs> I'd been at the gig and I saw like the Daily Record, the Sun, your mainstream media, man, like the people who are, st- some of them clearly still got an agenda against them. But it's perpetuated, it's still going for some reason, do you know what I mean? That's crazy because, now you mention it, I didn't know why, but when I was at the gig with Colin, Colin mentioned that as well, and I think he was at that gig. Uh, and Morrissey addressed it when he was up on stage as well. Because um, I think the only thing he mentioned that got like a wee negative reaction for the crowd was this, and he said before he played one of his songs, he said this song is about growing up in a town in England and then that kind of set off some people in the crowd so he said uh, a few boos and a few a few uh, a few people didn't like that so what he said was he said this song is about growing up in a town in England and it was like boo and he goes well do you know what I'm going to sing it anyway that's what he said and then and then that was it and he just the crowd just 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 kind of just quietened down after that so but there was a couple of, in fact there was a a pair of guys in the seats in front of us. Um, they were quite well dressed, very drunk. Uh, one of the guys, quite long hair, and he, when he said that, and he was loving the gig up to that point, and when he said that, I couldn't hear exactly what he was saying, but definitely English cunt was in there. <laughs> <laughs> How bizarre when you know that Morrissey grew up in Manchester and every single person that's in there knows that. I know, I think the guy was just a wee bit drunk and decided mm. to get a bit, a bit of vocal, so... A bit lady. But he was enjoying the gig, even after that as well. It's funny you should mention that because my stage partner at work said that, that a guy, they, they moved two people that were just like... Hi, was Is there an upstairs bit in the armadillo? Aye. Aye and so the guy was like falling over the ledge, no basically, way. man, and like absolutely steaming, wouldn't he sit down... Spilling drinks out everybody, falling into folk, screaming at the top he's lot, and I was like, oh my god, god. man. Hard work sometimes, isn't it? It can be. Especially, especially if it's uh, a sitting down one. Aye. You can't really hide. Stand up ones are hard as well, man. But no, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and it's been a good chat about it, Loved man. it, mate. No, cheers for asking, mate. Aye. Um, Loved it. Definitely changed my opinion, and... Uh, I, I'm really, sure. really glad you enjoyed that. I have to say, um, maybe if he does something in somewhere else or something like that, me, you, and Gavin could go. Sounds like a plan. I'd be up to go to see him again for sure. Brilliant, man. Brilliant. Nice one, mate. Cheers. Right, pop it.
stands for my top 10 Smiths or Morrissey songs ever. So, top 10, number 10 in reverse order, is the song Cemetery Gates. Cemetery Gates was released in June 1986 and it was a B-side to the single Ask. Uh, Cemetery Gates was first heard on the Queen Is Dead album. Uh, it, was, it was pretty much a last minute addition to it. Uh, the reason I love it so much is, apart from many of the sort of poetic references, um, obviously inspired by his many walks through graveyards in Manchester with Linda, um, their Keats, Yeats and Wilde. They're all named in the song, but of course all not buried in Manchester. Um, the dynamics, musical dynamics are all there. It's a very jingly, jangly sound, guitar sound, the riff's good, um, coupled with sort of like gloomy, darker lyrics. Um, a dreaded sunny day is one of the first lines, I think, in it, and that's one Morrissey line that I really do like. A very typical Morrissey line there. The song was originally uh, put on the shelf by Mar. He felt that the guitar riff just was not interesting enough to base a song around. Morrissey disagreed and felt like he had good lyrics to go with it. And um, thank goodness he did because, yeah, it's, it's, it's up there. It's, as I say, on my number 10 in my all-time top Smiths or Morrissey songs. Um, a couple of other notes I've got about the song, he, obviously Morrissey refers to plagiarism a lot in the song um, and, and the different verses. He lifts a lot of lines himself, um, plagiarism is something that he does a lot himself, particularly in a lot of his writing, so that was something else that was interesting. And another note I've got is the misspelling of cemetery, the, the, the dropping of the third E symmetry to make it um, almost and, and yeah I don't think I've ever found in any searches a definitive answer as to why Morrissey did that but yeah that's that's um, all my reasons for Cemetery Gates top 10. understanding. This section of the podcast should bring a little bit of perspective, a little bit of understanding on Morrissey himself as a character. Um, the biggest question in recent years has been for Morrissey fans, are they able to separate Morrissey's own personal opinions with his music? Because we're all still desperate to hear Morrissey's music, all the Morrissey fans, but it can be quite difficult at times to separate some of the things that he has put in the press or in print as having said and separating that from music that we love. So I think there's a good few quotes out there um, that are probably more famous things that Morrissey has said. I'm looking for more things that are maybe more obscure 
that maybe give us a little bit of insight into um, him, him as a character. So the quote that I have selected today is the quote on Nigel Farage. And I have also selected that for another reason. I know that Mr. Farage is about to go into a very famous um, television show that I do not watch. Um, so he's about to bring himself right back into um, the public eye. Morris's quote on Nigel Farage was, I nearly voted for UKIP. I like Nigel Farage a great deal. So um, I just want to discuss that a wee bit because I think, well, the first part of the quote is, I nearly voted for UKIP. That implies that he didn't. My understanding of Morrissey as a person, I would be really, really surprised if I saw Morrissey in a uh, toll booth voting. Um, I think he has strong opinions on politics, but I, I would find it very difficult to see him going and putting his vote on a bit of paper and voting. I may be wrong. I think that I like Nigel Farage's statement is more, it's more about what Nigel stands for and basically what Nigel represents. Um, for instance, Morrissey has a quote that England is lost, England is gone. Um, anyone can now come and, and claim England as their own. And I, I do think that when, when Morrissey looks at characters like Nigel Farage, he sees the England that he misses. Um, I may be wrong. Maybe he just really likes the guy, thinks he's great, wants to go for a pint. We know that Morrissey likes a pint. We know that uh, Nigel likes a pint too. It could just be that, but I do think that there's a lot more to that. I do also think it's a lot more to do... Um, it's more than politics, is all I'm trying to say here. Um, I do think that Nigel Farage is a very polarising character. Morrissey himself is a very polarising character. Is it that he just identifies with Nigel Farage? Is it that he sees a lot of himself in Nigel Farage? I, I, I am not sure. I have pondered a few times um, since this Nigel Farage comment was made. Um, really, what is that all about? If you have any, any ideas, any inklings at all, please get in touch at uh, the email address moscast. Um, at yahoo.com moscastritual at yahoo.com uh, please let me know what you think about the Nigel Farage quote, thank you So A, A is for Andy. Of course, Andy Rourke, uh, bass player for the Smiths, passed away, um, I think late April, early May time there this year. 
and I couldn't let the first uh, Morrissey episode go without um, using the A for Andy. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I think it was a shock. Um, it was very much a shock. And of course, understanding after that that there were... We knew as Smiths fans there was never going to be a Smiths reunion. Um, anyone that's read any of the books or listened to Morrissey uh, talk about it will we'll, we'll know that. But yeah, um, I think just his passing just brought it home that yeah, there will never ever be another a, a, a Smiths reunion, uh, even just a one-off. It's it's now never going to happen with the original lineup, which is unbelievably sad. And I, I really was very very sad to hear about his passing. The one thing that I did like um, on the news was the BBC did dedicate a little bit more time to it than what I thought they originally would. And they put quite an extensive interview with um, Mike Joyce on there. Um, and I felt that Mike did a really great job of talking Andy up. Um, how self-effacing he was, but also how great a bass player he was. Um, it was really quite inspiring to hear Mike talk about him because I don't think Mike is quite well known for um, how eloquent he, he is but yeah I think he did Andy um, a lot of justice by talking about him um, on the BBC News and yeah just very very sad um, moment for, for all Smiths fans out there. you've made it this far I just want to say a massive thank you you must have the patience of a saint anyway uh, L I said I would end with a with a, a welcome message so it is welcome to Mozcast there's going to be um, a few episodes coming up want to just keep all Morrissey fans out there updated um, on everything that's happening in the world of Morrissey so well done for making it to the end. Um, I do want to hear from you. Um, there is not a X or Twitter up and running yet, but there will be soon. Um, if you are going to get in touch with me, please make it at mozcastritual at yahoo.com. That's mozcastritual at yahoo.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you and I will get back in touch. Music throughout this episode is by two bands. First, Mantra from Glasgow. You can drop Mantra a message at on X at Mantra underscore Glasgow. Both songs on this episode are Answerphone and Unleash. The other music, the other band that you can hear is um, a singer from Ayrshire called John Hamilton. You can find his music also on Spotify. 
and follow him on X at Stig Cocard. That's at S-T-I-G-C-O-C-A-R-D. Thanks. See you later, guys.